Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Sunday, January the 7th, 2024. We're a week into the new year. How are those? New Year resolutions going, I wonder. Uh, are all those virtuous resolutions about eating less, exercising more, taking more care of our finances, perhaps being nicer to our children or our parents or our spouses or our friends, traveling more, and perhaps even writing more or writing more rigorously. Uh, we are talking today appropriate enough with the co-author of a very interesting new book, especially from the point of view of writers. I'm a writer, so I can appreciate this one. Written, How to Keep Writing and Build a Habit that Laughs, uh, not laughs, lasts. That was a Freudian era. Written by the husband and wife team of Beck Evans and Chris Smith. Beck Evans is joining us from her lovely sounding home in Hebden Bridge uh, in... Um, West Yorkshire. Uh, Beck, congratulations on the new book. In terms of this new year, do you think it's one of those classic new year resolutions that lasts about seven days and then everyone forgets that they're going to write more, write more rigorously, more reliably? They're going to set a time and write that novel, write that nonfiction book they've always wanted to do? Absolutely. It's one of those classic New Year resolutions that uh, the book you've always wanted to write is going to get written in the, yeah, yeah, this year, the beginning of the year in January. And there is something called a fresh start energy, which is really motivating, particularly if we've had a bit of a break over Christmas and we're feeling renewed and restored. Um, January can be a great time to start writing. The problem is it's hard to keep going. And that's the bit that I'm really interested in. It certainly is hard to keep going. What is it about writing, uh, Beck, that um, brings out all our biggest ambitions and insecurities? Why do so many of us want to be writers? Uh, your day job, if that's right, is with, with your husband uh, running the Written Academy, which is focusing on teaching people how to write. Writing, I guess it's like filmmaking, but perhaps even more so because anyone can pick up a pen or a keyboard and start writing. What is it about writing that we all think, or many of us think we can do and want to do? Yeah, you're absolutely right there in that writing is something we're all taught at school. So it, it kind of gives us that almost like a false confidence that we should be able to do it. But writing like other creative disciplines, um, like you mentioned filmmaking, um, it's uncertain, you know, if we are starting to write, we don't know um, what the outcome is gonna be. We don't know how long it's gonna take. You know, it's the first time we've done something or we're doing something different. Um, it's a, a trial and error process. And like all creative disciplines, that causes um, blocks, barriers, doubts, fears, which often makes us give up on projects before we've had a chance to, to get through that, those barriers. Uh, but you're absolutely right to liken it to other creative practices. Beck, yesterday we did a show uh, with a therapist actually based in North London in Hackney, uh, who's written a book, The, the Pocket Therapist. 
Does your business of teaching people how to write or how to sit down to write and the business of therapy, do they connect? Is writing in some senses increasingly a form of therapy? And is writing perhaps also the answer for therapy rather than people going into psychotherapy? They should simply become writers. There is there's some really interesting re research in terms of um, how writing can be a form of uh, processing our own thoughts and fears and experiences. Um, I'm not an expert in that area, but actually the way I approach writing as a as a coach and someone who's worked with, with you know many thousands of writers over the years is that that process of reflection and considering and figuring out what works for us in the same way that a therapist would work with a with a client is is the 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 really the way to finding the solution into how you are going to write um the book itself we don't outline a series of rules and things that are absolutely going to work we draw on loads of research and loads of science and loads of um, experiences of uh, famous best-selling and emerging writers. Yeah, the foreword is by uh, Oliver Berkman, uh, one of Britain's yeah. uh, leading non-fiction writers. Yeah, absolutely. And he he thinks very deeply in terms of creativity, in terms of time, in how, you know, his, his approach is about being you know, imperfect. You know, his email is called The Imperfectionist. And I think there's something about figuring out that we are um that while we might have this idea of what our writing is going to look like the process of getting there isn't as simple as that that um perfectionism can really really hold us back and what what i want to do is work with people i mean we wrote the book to get out to reach more people is to give them some of the tools to reflect on what works for them and how they can build a system and those long-term habits that are going to work in the reality of their lives which will not be perfect yeah i wonder as you say uh, oliver berkman uh, has the intro and he doesn't believe that the perfect routine exists so he, his his view is imperfect in another of your prolifico um uh, posts you have something from a writer uh, a, a tv dramatist who talks about her routine starting out at 2 a.m i wonder if when we try to perfect a routine it's just almost our way of not writing it's 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 a I good mean, kind of excuse without having to formally use an excuse it is. It's the classic uh, procrastination technique that we we sit down to write and we end up reading about other other writers' uh, routines, and they're really compelling. And we think somewhere in this huge, you know, the, the biographies, the memoirs, you know, all the that writers write about writing, we're going to find the ideal solution, and. It's a great starting point uh, if we don't use it as a procrastination tendency. If we use it as a starting point for inspiration, we can run that as an experiment and see whether it works for us. And that's really the approach that I get people to do is don't compare yourself to these other writers. Um, test out their approaches. And it's as important to reject the things, perhaps more important to reject the ones that don't work for you as it is to kind of double down on the ones that do. You talk about starting out. I know, you know I've written a number of books, all 
increasingly painful every time I write one. I think I'm never <laughs> going to write one again. Of course, I end up doing it. Is it always for me at least, and, and, and maybe I'm typical, maybe I'm not, the hardest thing of always starting. And then as you get going, oddly enough, it's sometimes rather hard to stop. You get to a point where you just can't stop writing both on a daily basis and in terms of the project. Is starting the biggest issue or am I unusual in that sense? You're not unusual, but I would say you will have lots of, you will be similar to lots of people who like that, uh, the, the kind of getting stuck into it stage. For other people, that can be really, really hard. And again, stepping back and thinking about the different uh, stages of a creative project. There's um, an ideation stage where you're, where you're, you know, you're, you're fizzing with ideas. You're, you've got lots of opportunities. There's that incubation where you mull over something, you explore it, you connect it with other ideas. And then the next stage is that kind of starting the drafting process, the getting the words down. And then there's the kind of rewriting, editing, and then getting it out into the world. And people often have preferences for each of those stages. Some people really get stuck at that ideation stage. They don't know how to start and they need to work with prompts. They might work with a writing group. They might have a, a tutor of some sort to get them going with, with it. Some people love the editing and promotion side of things. But, you know, we will all experience that differently. But the only way you're going to figure that out is... Um, by trying it out. I know for me, when I was writing my first book, um, I would finish a chapter and the chapter would be flowing. I'd be really in it, you know, that, that classic sense of being really present, knowing exactly what I was going to do. As soon as I finished it and started the next chapter, I always got stuck. Um, and it took me ages. I thought, I can't do this. I'm going to have to give up with the book. I can't write anymore. I've written all my best stuff. And then um, I realized that after a couple of days, I could get going with that chapter. And what was interesting, because I wrote that book in quite a short space of time, I realized I always struggled with the beginning of every chapter. And when I was in it, I was fine. And what that did is that took away a lot of the anxiety I had about writing. I realized my process was to get stuck at the beginning. And then once I found my feet and had the momentum, I would be fine. And then I knew I would get stuck again. And that was really um, helpful for me. Beck Evans is helping us find our feet, at least uh, writers find their feet and hands and fingers. She's the co-author of uh, Written. Uh, Beck, how important is it to finish a project? Is this book written? Does it really matter, um, in your view? If and 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 uh, is the book primarily for professionals or for or, or aspiring professional writers? Does it really matter if we finish our our novel, our nonfiction book, or is the issue really just getting going? Do you care about endings as much as beginnings? I I think so, and I I find generally that if people can get over it's often you have that starting energy there's something often called a, um, a saggy middle which is where people midpoints are really really tricky so we've talked a bit about beginnings but midpoints are often the part where people give up um, and you need to reinvigorate yourself when you hit a midpoint particularly if you're working on something long form um, uh, like a novel or a non-fiction book because it will take you months if not years to write um, finishing sometimes when you're a approaching the end it can give you a real spurt of energy as the Germans call it the end spurt um, and deadlines really help with that and 
to go back to your question about whether it matters, it really depends what your goal is. Um, if you were an academic writer, you need um, a publishing pipeline. We do work with a lot of academics. We work with PhDs, but also with mid and late career. And it's important for them to keep going. Um, but I also work with lots of creative writers, novelists, nonfiction writers, uh, poets, uh, screenwriters. And the thing that most people get stuck on is the persistence piece. We really do underestimate our ability to keep going and to finish the things. I mean, the the trivial metaphor, I guess, is running a marathon. It's not a sprint, is it? And yeah. I guess in some senses, it is rather like running a marathon. You've got to not only start, but keep going. Yes. Yeah. And I think often if we start very strong, full of energy, full of motivation, um, we will when we hit that uncertainty of the middle we'll want to give up because we think it's not flowing and this is something i'm really interested in terms of creative persistence which is this sense of um disfluency we feel when we work on a creative project so the idea that we're working on something which is fundamentally uncertain um with a with an uncertain outcome we don't know whether it's going to succeed or fail and this can be any form of innovation from starting a business um, writing, drawing, painting, creating a film, um, that they, they are all uncertain. And when we have that sort of cognitive barrier, we want to give up. And the successful people are the ones that keep going. So holding your doubts and fears at bay, working through those blocks and barriers, getting the support you need uh, to be able to finish. Is it rather like life itself, or certainly the kind of life that parents like to advise their children on one of the things i always remind my son in particular about is that you need to pace yourself not everything is a sprint yeah and it's like process versus outcome as well you know to, to keep going on these long projects you know we don't want to over focus on that outcome again because that will lead to all those sorts of comparisons and fears what we need to do is that consistency of of showing up um, experiencing the good days, experiencing the bad, and showing up regardless. Well, uh, Beck Evans is the co-author of Written, and if you want to see the end product of some very high-quality writing, you need to subscribe to Liberties, a quarterly journal of culture and politics. It really is an advertisement for uh, becoming a writer. Many of uh, the world's leading writers are represented. It's an excellent publication. All our guests are getting complimentary uh, subscriptions. Going to run a short feature on Liberties, and then we'll be back with uh, Beck Evans to talk a little bit more about what it takes to be a writer, or at least to get into the habit of writing. Beyond the news, the noise, there is nuance, insight. Liberties is not just a journal of ideas, it's a meteor of intelligent substance. It's the place to be for engaged citizens. Politics, opinion, substance. Liberties is a triumph for freedom of thought. A quarterly of urgency, of cultural exploration, of intellectual delight, of immaculate prose. It's invaluable. Subscribe now or find Liberties at your favorite bookseller. And you can subscribe to Liberties at libertiesjournal.com. We're speaking with the co-author of Written, Beck Evans. Uh, Beck, um, as you said in the beginning, there are no perfect routines, but the subtitle of the book is How to Keep Writing and Build a Habit that Lasts. 
Are you in the Gladwell camp that you need to write two, three, four thousand hours to become a writer, even if you may not be the next Shakespeare? Is 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 just doing it the all important thing? So I think Gladwell is is a really interesting one to to talk about because he wrote about um, the ten thousand hours rule, which is um, deliberate practice, which a researcher Erickson wrote about, and it's very much the idea that there are um, you, you have to, it takes time to build a skill, and you have to work at the edge of your comfort zone to be able to do that, do that consistently, and get feedback on your. Um, on your practice and that takes a lot of time um talent is uh, evenly distributed across you know the whole world everybody but opportunity isn't and i think that the 10,000 hour rule though it is does feel quite scary that it's going to take 10 years to get good at something is ultimately quite an optimistic note that any of us can improve from where we are and that's what we need to focus on is how we're improving our own practice rather than comparing ourselves to others um and it is it it is a hopeful, a hopeful note. You know, if we do work on something and get feedback, our craft will get better. How social is this habit? You, you're in business uh, with your husband, um, uh, Chris, uh, who's the co-author, uh, Chris Smith, who's the co-author of the book, and he also with you runs your written academy um, in in West Yorkshire in Hebden Bridge. Does the habitual nature of writing is such a solitary business, which makes it so soul destroying in some ways. But should it be social, Beck? Well, that's one of the benefits I find um, of being a writer is that actually they're, they're really great at forming writing groups. They're really good at asking for help. There's, you know, there's a wealth of writing courses, coaches, mentors. Um, you know, there's writers' hours to turn up to, and it's not so much that the the collaborative nature which can be super helpful particularly say in academia where you where it's more traditional to have co-authors um it's not so much the collaborative nature that keeps you going it's having a community it's having a community that's interested in the same things that you are who can cheerlead and champion your work and that can really make the big difference between success and failure because many people will give up if they just think it's down to them and again if we go back to that sense of um deliberate practice you need feedback from other people writing is fundamentally um it needs an audience so once you have done your first draft once you have worked up your ideas it can be incredibly helpful if not absolutely necessary to get feedback um, from peers from experts you know from publishers agents uh, uh beta readers um that is a really vital part What's of the beta process. reader that sounds rather painful <laughs> beta readers i mean that's yeah. uh, like friends and family who will read your stuff whether or not you you know without without obviously too much criticism well i would say that a beta reader shouldn't be friends and family a beta reader ideally should be somebody in your audience so it's somebody that your book is who would who would like to read your book um your friends and family there's something called the mum test where mm. you know they're always going oh, yeah it's great it's wonderful love carry on keep going and that is really helpful and we do need that kind of uh, support from our loved ones but actually if we want to 
have our works read more widely. It does need to be read by target audience. So what do you do at the Written Academy? And to what extent is this book written a direct product of the Written Academy? It's a direct product of the last, let me say, 25 years of me working in publishing and with writers. And the, the Written Academy is the, you know, the, 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 the part that I'm engaged in now, which is sharing all the lessons that I have um, learned. So I have worked as um, pretty much every role in, in a publisher's. Um, Chris and I actually met when we were working in a, in a bookshop when we were much, much younger. Um, and what I found is that I did, I was really intrigued about what was it that kept people writing. I was working at a writer's retreat center at the time I had kind of had this breakthrough idea and I was procrastinating on my own writing, you know, to be honest with you, I was supporting other writers rather than doing my own writing. But what, what that showed me is that every single week we would have very famous and very successful writers come in to talk. And I was interested in the patterns, you know, what, what was it that made a good habit? What was the right time to write? How do you build a good routine? What are the support structures you need to keep going? I had all of these questions. And what I realized over time is that there is no one answer. There's no one rule. Um, there's great research and that can give us a helpful starting point. There's lots of writers who talk about their writing process and practice. Again, that's a great starting point, but to figure out what it is, uh, people need the support to do that themselves. And that's the work that we do at the Written Academy as coaches. We give them the support to be able to run experiments, I suppose, gather data on their own writing practice and work out whether it's worth repeating. And fundamentally, a habit is um, a, a routine that you repeat that gives you some reward and makes you keep going again, makes you show up at your desk again. Yeah, it's a sort of a Berkman-esque thing uh perhaps that oliver berkman who's britain's equivalent in some ways to malcolm gladwell perhaps a more palatable gladwell uh might have come up with it's not surprising that berkman wrote the intro who are your writing heroes when it comes to habit um mine i have to admit although it's all all too daunting is balzac the 19th century french writer who wrote some obscene number of books at his desk, living in poverty uh, in France. It's just astonishing how how productive he was and how you can write so many books. Are there historic writers or maybe contemporary ones who who either you want to emulate or who make you feel inadequate? There, there are so many, and that was very much my starting point, that I would read writers' biographies and see what, what they were doing. Um, I'm a big fan of Mason Curry, who wrote um, The Daily Rituals. He's got two books on that, and particularly the second book. Um, he realised that he, he'd composed the first book, and it was 80% men. So he made a point that his second book mm. fo focused on women. And I think that is incredibly important, because for many of us, we look at it might be Balzac, it could be, you know, Hemingway. And we see these these figures and the, their kind of, you know, strength or tenacity or persistence. And, and it can be really off putting 
voting if our lives are very, very different from them because we just think, oh, we're, we're not like that and I can't do that and I'm not like them. And so many writers fail because they compare themselves too soon to those sorts of writers. Um, but I love going back to Mason Curry's books because they're short snippets that just focus on different writers. So it could be, you know, whether they 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 drink or smoke or drink coffee, whether they write in the morning, whether they write in the evening, um, you know, do they exercise, they, yeah. go for long they, walks? I mean, speaking of, of Hemingway, maybe they drink something stronger than coffee. The, the gendered element yeah. is interesting, thinking of not Hemingway, but Fitzgerald and his wife and people argue that she perhaps was the genius. Lots of narratives like that where it ends up that it was the wife who really wrote the book. At least you and Chris have your names on your new book. Yeah. Um, given, Beck, that most readers, I don't know what the numbers are, but they're quite, quite surprised, well, not surprising, but quite clear. Most readers these days, or certainly most buyers of books, especially fiction books, are women. Are there gendered rules when it comes to writing or written in terms of habits? Would you perhaps suggest different sorts of habitual approaches for men and women, or is that a little sexist? It, it's not sexist. It's um, appreciating the diversity that we all have. Um, and if I go back to one of these kind of myths or rules that we often hear, it's um, about writing daily. Now, there's some really great research on writing daily. It is incredibly productive. Um, having that level of consistency means that we can weather those ups and downs. We might have a really bad day, but we might have a good day tomorrow. So, you know, the research shows that writing daily is a very productive way to write. Um, if you are a full-time carer, if you have um, a job and parental responsibilities, it's gonna be really hard for you to write daily. So again, you might compare yourself from the outset and think, I, I, I'm not a writer. Um, I think Cheryl Strayed is a really good example of this. So she is um, a very productive uh, writer. You know, her best-selling book, Wild, was made into that um, Oscar-nominated film. She has a podcast. She's written Tiny Beautiful Things. There's lots of things that she has written and produced. But she's what's called a classic binge writer. So she doesn't write daily she doesn't even write weekly she might only write once a month but what she does is take a really intentional approach to her writing practice she books it in she tells other people she makes sure when she had um her children were younger that they they you know that they they had carers so she could go off and concentrate on her writing and again i think that's a really important role model for people to hear about and go actually i can't write daily it doesn't mean i'm not a writer it doesn't mean i won't ever be a good writer it just means i need to try something differently and if um you're familiar with anybody who does have caring responsibilities they often write at the drop of a hat so um they might be the sorts of uh, dropping off your kid at the school's gate, a woman who is typing into her mobile phone, making a note, doing a voice note. Um, I call this spontaneous writing. Um, and it's using very small snippets of time, what is called time confetti, to get the words down. It might not be the most satisfying, it might not be the most productive, but it's an approach to time management and getting some writing done, which will help you fulfill those creative goals that we spoke about right at the beginning you know many people want to write a book and they need the support to be able to do it in the way that they can 
Yeah, I'm pleased you introduced the idea of binge writing. The idea of the daily habit always makes everybody feel inadequate. Uh, yeah. I had an interview recently, or I read something by David Brooks, the New York Times writer, yeah. who's who I think's great specialty is making everyone else feel inadequate. Um, he's a, I don't know what the word is, a moral superiorist or something, uh, something particularly annoying. So. I don't think he's much of a writer either. Anyway, uh, finally, uh, that's my generous remarks of the day. Uh, Beck, is this book which comes out, which which is coming out now in, in early 2024, are you a year too late? Now we have generative AI. Now we're in the business of having all these platforms, OpenAI, Anthropic, uh, Google's Bard, where we don't need to learn to be writers. All we need to do is learn to work with generative AI or BARD or PIA or any of these other platforms that allow us to become writers. How does AI change everything or does it change nothing really in your view? I think it changes everything and nothing at the same time. Um, it's a new tool which can be really helpful for writers at all stages of the writing process. Um, but if your desire is to write a book, um, you want to do the work. And I think it goes back to that, you know, right at the beginning, we said like, you know, it's new year, people have this resolution, this is the year they're going to write the book, you know, they could write it all on uh, chat GPT. Um, but would they have met that goal? Um, you know, how helpful is that going to be? I'm reading a fascinating book at the moment called Benny the Blue Whale, which is a, a writer who has co-written a book with ChatGPT, but is talking mainly about the creative process around that. And it really exposes what are the benefits and the downfall um, and the things we need to look out for when we use some of these tools. But we, are, we, need, we need technical literacy with this. And I think people shouldn't be scared of it. They need to be supported, but fundamentally they still need to do the work.